Now, despite the fact that Europe was in economic stagnation in 2023, with numerous countries entering recession, despite that, many Western governments, they projected their insecurities onto China. And in 2023, there was a ridiculous narrative that China is essentially on the verge of economic collapse. Media outlets spent months claiming that the Chinese economy had hit a wall. Hawkish Western think tanks claimed that China is in crisis and a popular term in 2023 was the so-called Japanification of China. The claim that it's going to enter a period of prolonged economic stagnation like Japan has since the 1980s. The ridiculous geopolitical analyst Peter Zihan went viral in 2023, absurdly claiming that this is China's last decade and in a few years, China is going to collapse completely. Now, what's funny is at the same time, the IMF quietly upgraded its economic forecasts for China and acknowledged that GDP growth in 2023 was a very healthy 5.6% growth in the year. Now, most Western countries, they would kill for that kind of economic growth, and they do kill for that kind of economic growth with wars of you know, expansion, imperial wars. But the point is that China's economy actually had an, an okay year in 2023. It certainly wasn't the best year, and there are economic problems in China, but they are very severely exaggerated. What's really happening is that China is changing its economic model. Previously, since the reform and opening up began in 1978, China was trying to increase the productive forces in the country as much as possible and have very quick GDP growth in all sectors and especially in infrastructure development. And one of the fastest ways to grow an economy is massive investments in building infrastructure, in housing, in railroads, in, in roads, in, in bridges. And China's gotten to the point where it already has some of the best infrastructure in the world. And the government has intentionally burst the real estate bubble starting in 2020 when the government passed the three red lines policy that told some of the big real estate developers that they cannot take on more debt unless they meet certain conditions. Like for instance, they cannot have too many liabilities over their assets. They could only be 70% of their assets. They couldn't take on too much debt. They had to have a lot of, a lot of liquidity and cash on hand to pay for their short-term debt. So the Chinese government made the decision to pop the real estate bubble before it caused a potential economic crisis like the 2008 crisis in the US, which of course was partially caused by a massive real estate crisis. So also the state-owned banks in China, because the, you know, it's socialism, the financial system in China is state-owned. It's, it's run on behalf of the people. And the Chinese government stopped lending largely to real estate developers and instead is moving its investment into industry and especially the high-tech sector. So the Chinese economy is not collapsing. This was an intentional decision by the government not to bail out large real estate developers like Evergrande. And the Western media in 2023 had all of these articles about Evergrande, which was one of the largest real estate developers in China. And they insisted that the collapse and bankruptcy of Evergrande showed that the Chinese economy was in dire straits, but these reports frequently failed to mention 
that it was Beijing's intentional decision not to bail out Evergrande. They could have done so, but they chose not to do so because Evergrande's economic model was very unstable. And it was based on a scheme where Evergrande would take on huge sums of debt and then it would buy land with that debt and then it would sell housing units to to customers before the housing units were even built. And they would use that money to build the housing and then repeat the process over and over again. It was an unsustainable model built on unpayable debt. And the Chinese government, which is changing its economic model away from massive investments into infrastructure, decided not to bail out Evergrande. And as President Xi Jinping said, real estate housing is for living in. It's not for speculation. It's not for speculators to get rich on. So what's actually happening is not a Chinese economic collapse. It's an economic transition toward more investment in industry and in particular the high-tech industry and the renewable energy sector where China is becoming the world's leader. In 2023, China overtook Japan as the world's top exporter of cars. And thanks to a state-led industrial policy encouraging the creation of electric vehicles in particular, China in just three years from 2021 through the end of 2023 overtook South Korea, Germany, and Japan as the world's largest car exporter. And again, one of the driving reasons behind that is that China has become the world's leader in electric vehicles. And in 2023, Chinese car maker BYD became a household name. And Bloomberg reported that in 2023, the Chinese car maker BYD overtook Tesla as the world's number one EV maker. And Bloomberg pointed out this funny clip from 2011 in which the billionaire oligarch Elon Musk, he laughed at the idea. He literally laughed at the idea of BYD competing with Tesla. And he claimed that Chinese cars were very bad and horrible quality. And, you know, who's laughing now? I mean, of course, I should point out that Elon Musk has also received billions of dollars in subsidies from the U.S. government, but he can't outcompete China. And by the way, it's not just electric vehicles. According to the Financial Times newspaper, since 2018, China has represented around 80% of the entire world's investment in clean energy manufacturing. And in solar panels, China is leading the entire world. So when it comes to the green transition, as more and more countries are trying to decarbonize their economies, China is by far the most important country on earth in this green transition. And Reuters reported in 2023 that, quote, China is leading the global renewables market. It noted that, quote, China's estimated installation of solar panels, that is, is more than double the number of U.S. and Europe installations combined and it added that China will have more than 80% of the world's solar manufacturing capacity through 2026 and will be capable of satisfying annual global demand for much of the next decade. The Wall Street Journal published an article in 2023 titled China's Green Revolution is Quietly Succeeding. It noted that as of 2023, non-fossil fuel generating energy capacity 
reached over half of the entire nation's total power mix for the first time, and 80% of new power capacity added in 2023 in China came from renewable sources. From the end of 2021 until mid-2023, solar capacity in China rose by 44%. And in addition to the massive installation of solar panels, there has also been huge investment in wind turbines in China. However, what was really funny about this article is that the Wall Street Journal complained that foreign investors cannot profit on China's green revolution because this is being done through state-led development and state-led investment. The Wall Street Journal wrote, China's immense renewable build-out is good news for the planet, but so far it has proven tougher to make money from Chinese renewable stocks. The transformation is impressive, but for investors, the best play might be to stand by and watch the show. So this is a clear admission that China's socialist model is the reason that it's able to engage in such an incredible transformation toward green energy. It's not the free market and private capital that is driving this transition. And this is one of the most significant reasons why the United States is waging a tech war, an economic war, a new cold war on China. This is why the U.S. government has imposed so many sanctions targeting China's tech sector, because the U.S. actually doesn't want to compete. Washington loves to talk about competition, but in reality, China is competing too well on the international stage. So that's why Washington is waging a tech war on China. In 2023, the Biden administration imposed numerous sanctions and acts of economic war against China, and many foreign policy elites and economic officials in Washington have acknowledged that the U.S. is waging a tech war. They've used that language, a technology war. Back in 2021, the U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimundo said that the U.S. was working with Europe in order to, quote, slow down China's rates of innovation. And in 2023, the U.S. Commerce Secretary Raimondo, she held a meeting with tech executives and members of Congress, and she declared that, quote, China is the biggest threat we've ever had. I repeat, a top U.S. official said China is the biggest threat we have ever had. Now, in November, there was a meeting between U.S. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping. And this was portrayed as a positive step forward to try to bring down tensions. And the U.S. claims it doesn't want a new Cold War, it only wants competition. But that meeting was immediately undermined because minutes after he met with President Xi, Biden did a press conference in which he attacked Xi as a dictator. So it shows that the U.S. cannot actually engage in diplomacy, that everything is always just about aggression and acts of war and trying to provoke conflict with other countries. Now, one of the important stories of 2023 is how this U.S. aggression against China has been actually backfiring economically, just as the economic war on Russia has backfired on Europe and fueled extreme inflation and high energy prices, which is leading to a a deindustrialization crisis in Europe. Furthermore, In China, 
the U.S. tech war on China has actually been making Beijing more self-sufficient. And the U.S. put numerous sanctions on Chinese high-tech companies like Huawei. And in particular, the U.S. was targeting China in semiconductors. And the, the U.S. imposed an export restriction on the export of small semiconductors, small chips to China. However, in 2023, the Chinese tech company Huawei surprised the world by releasing the Mate 60 Pro phone that had a seven nanometer semiconductor, seven nanometer chip in it, despite the U.S. export restrictions. And these chips were made by SMIC, which is a partially state-owned chip company called the Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corporation. So as much as the U.S. attacks China economically, it's actually, yes, in the short term, it does cause some economic damage to China. But in the medium term, not even the long term, in the media term, it makes China more economically sovereign and independent so it doesn't even need to rely on the U.S. and Western corporations.